Pastor Ray Bentley points to a revelation by Jesus. To Nicodemus, the Pharisee, Jesus revealed the most beautiful truth in the entire gospel. We can be born again and become his son or daughter for all time and eternity. Nicodemus is like, what? I've already been born once. How can I be born again? Jesus said again, that which is of the flesh is flesh. Being born once physically, okay. But you need to be born again in your spirit. Spread news. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. It's a pivotal truth of the New Testament. Those who are born once will die twice. Those who are born twice will die only once. Confused? Today, Pastor Ray points to the passage where the phrase born again entered our vocabulary, but it has more to do with how we'll enter heaven. Here's Pastor Ray to begin. If you have a Bible, let's open it to Matthew chapter 23, and we have a very hilarious topic to talk about called hypocrites. (laughs) Uh, Jesus has words for the hypocrites, but we'll, we'll talk about how this message, where it fits in the final week of Jesus, but it's a very, very important topic. And even now, I wanna say that I know that there are some of you that were raised maybe in a church or in a you know, denomination or a background where there was uh, some pretty grievous hypocrisy that was going on. And I just say, thank God that you're still going to church and that you're still here. But I also know that there are some of you that have family, friends, neighbors, you know, people that you really care about, they're not in church. And one of the reasons they're not here is because of the hypocrites, pastors, priests, religious leaders, groups, cults, weirdness, and all the rest of it. And so we're going to pray. Let's bow our heads. I want us to pray because I believe that God wants to do something supernatural, healing, and especially at this time in our generation. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you and thank you for today. Um, We welcome the Holy Spirit. Uh, I thank you, Lord, for laughter. I thank you that laughter is good medicine for the soul. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And I thank you, Lord, that you have a word for us today. And and what you really were going for is our hearts. What you really are interested in is what's going on in our hearts. We're not here out of some religious exercise or obligation or duty or we have to. But Lord, you are looking for transformation on the inside. Not all the work and the pressure that we do on the outside, but you want to really come all the way into the innermost part of our being and change us and transform us and literally bring the presence and the glory of heaven through your Holy Spirit into our hearts. So I pray for healing for those even today that have scars from, Lord, the failures, the hypocrisy of religious leaders. It could be a parent that was so hard bent, that brought bruises and wounds that still to this very day need to be healed. And Lord, those who have maybe sons or daughters or a spouse or a prodigal uh, or a friend or a neighbor that is, is hurt, offended, 
They've got you at arm's length, and yet they're dying on the inside. They need the Holy Spirit. They need salvation. They need to be transformed on the inside. So would you do a work? We ask all of these things in the worthy and precious name of Jesus. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Okay, um, so let's begin with the first practical application life lesson. Let the word, here's what Jesus is saying, and what we're gonna read in Matthew chapter 23, verses one through 12. He's saying, let the word go into your heart for transformation, not mere tradition. So Matthew chapter 23, let's uh, look at the first three verses here. Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples saying, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. And therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. But do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. So I think this is very interesting. Jesus has this week, you know, from Palm Sunday to Passover and where the day that he was crucified, he's been going to the temple every day and he's been battling and talking and discussing with the Pharisees and the scribes. And he's been answering their questions. Now, all of a sudden, if you look back here at verse one, then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and said to his disciples saying, the scribes and the Pharisees. So he's been talking to them, answering their questions, giving them answers in a way that when he gave them the answer for their questions, they were trying to trap him. Jesus was so divine. His answers were so powerful that they couldn't respond. They were silenced. So now he turns away from them and he says, now I wanna talk to you, the people, and to my disciples. Here's what I want to say, the scribes and the Pharisees. So he starts talking about them, he's not talking to them. Because all the people looked at the Pharisees and they were in awe of them. I want you to note this, this is Jesus' last public message. It's his last sermon. And it's interesting that it's not a sermon on salvation, it's not a sermon about the resurrection, it is a scathing denunciation of false religion under the guise of truth. In many ways, those who have twisted the truth and used religion to take advantage of people, because quite honestly, you know, with religion, the fact that people need God, the spirituality going on inside of them, there are groups as well as leaders and pastors and priests and other religious leaders who realize, hey, everybody feels lost, lonely, and guilty. I can use that to my advantage, and I can puff myself up. I can control people, and there are people that have done that. I just want to say as a pastor, it breaks my heart to any and all of you that that happened. I'm called to be a pastor, which just basically means to be a shepherd. And it grieves me that you've been hurt, that you've been wounded, that you've been manipulated, that you've been taken advantage of, and, and I pray that God will comfort your heart and to heal your heart. And not only you, but maybe other family and friends that are part of that. I wanted to share uh, some interesting things that have been going on, some good news. How many, how many, by the way, how many would like to hear some good news? Well, the good folks at the Center for the Study of Global Christianity, released their uh, 2019 edition 
of their status of global Christianity report. And there's a lot of very encouraging information on this study that they just did. They call it seven surprising trends in global Christianity in 2019. I'm not gonna go into all seven, but I wanna just mention uh, a couple of them. Number one, like the fact, listen to this, Christianity right now is growing faster than the population is around the whole world. How's that? That's number one. Here's another surprising uh, look at what's going on in the world right now. The percentage of unevangelized individuals in the world has shrunk from 54% in the year 1900 to 28.4% today. In other words, we've cut in half the number of people that need to hear the gospel. So that's also very encouraging. Let's give a little applause for that one too. But this is the last one, the third one that I wanna share. Perhaps most interesting though is the projected decrease in atheism worldwide. According to the report, and I, never, I didn't know this, atheism reached its peak way back in 1970 with over 165 million atheists worldwide. Since then, atheism has been steadily decreasing, decreasing with only 138 million today, a number that's expected to go below 129 million by 2050. That is good news. Can I hear an amen? So, okay, with all of that though, now that people realize, okay, look, I don't want to believe in nothing or that billions of, you know, particles without random, you know, randomly came together and created all of this. So what is the meaning of life? What is the purpose of life? Spirituality. And now it explodes to every kind of spirituality under the sun. And unfortunately, within that spiritual hunger and need, there are people that will take advantage of others for their own personal gain. That's why Jesus battled with the Pharisees so much, because there's great damage that can be done. But here's what I want uh, you to realize. Later in this chapter, Jesus pronounces eight woes to those who are Pharisees, and he is warning them, because since the fall of man, the world has always had false religious leaders pretending to represent God but only representing themselves. False leaders were part of the rebellious scheme in the very beginning to build the Tower of Babel. They said, we'll unite the world, come under our heading, and they had their own religious ideas. Moses came into great conflict from religious sorcerers, those that were into all kinds of magic and the dark arts of Egypt, and a pharaoh who happened to think he was God as a man. And then later the prophet Ezekiel warned of false prophets in Israel, Jewish false prophets. And he he called them foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. They talked about, oh, I saw this, I saw that, this is gonna happen, that's gonna happen. And he said, no, they're foolish. They follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. I want you to read this scripture out loud. Psalm 51 verse six, let's read it out loud. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. What God is interested in is not your performance and you know, all of the outward acts of good deeds and so forth. What he's really interested in is your heart. Your Father in heaven, more than anything else, what does it mean to be a child of God and, and you know, to fulfill my life purpose? More than anything, he wants a personal relationship with you. 
And I, I've said this before and I want to say it again. This is what the Lord impresses upon me. And, and as your pastor and shepherd, as I pray for you, as I seek to say, Lord, what are you wanting me to share with the people? He goes, I want you to tell them their identity in me. He wants you to know your true identity in him. How he sees you is very, very powerful. And part of the job of those who are religious leaders is to represent a clear image of how God sees you. He adores you. You are the apple of his eye. You are highly favored. His hand is upon you. He has great purposes and plans for you. That's the identity that you really have. Doesn't that motivate you that like, yeah, Lord, I want to walk with you. You love me in this way. So truly, the Pharisees were actually keeping people away from God because they were bringing so much weight and guilt upon them. But Jesus never said, I love this, Jesus never said, follow my people. He said, follow me. Amen? Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. Since Pastor Ray went to heaven, so many listeners have shared comments on what his teaching means to them. I met Pastor Ray when I was really young. Looking back, I realized he was pretty young too. I remember him praying for me as I was going through a challenging time. His kindness and great faith encouraged me. I can hardly think of another person who packed as much life into so relatively few years. I look forward to seeing him again one day. Although he's gone home, his teachings continue here on the radio thanks to the support from listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with Ray Bentley Ministries and Maranatha Radio, just go to our website at www.raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Now, I want to say this as we talk about the Pharisees. It would be good to remind ourselves, not all Pharisees were hypocrites. By the way, I don't know if you knew this or not, but, you know, there were over a million Jewish people living in ancient Israel in the time of Jesus. Do you know how many Pharisees there were? We constantly talk about the Pharisees, Jesus battling and arguing with them and all the rest of it. Do you know how many there were? Out of the hundreds of thousands of Jewish people that lived in ancient Israel, about 6,000. And the name Pharisee means to separate. So they were going to be the best Jews. So they were separate from all the Gentiles because they looked down upon them, which God never intended for his people to look down upon them. God loves the whole world. The promise that God gave to Abraham, who started the whole thing. 4,000 years ago, Abraham, who believed in God, Abraham is known as the friend of God. God revealed that there are not many, many gods. Abraham, I revealed to you, there's only one, and I am he, and I love you, and I have a purpose and plan for your life. And Abraham believed in the promise of God, and because God finally found a man who believed in his goodness and his promise, God reckoned unto Abraham righteousness. Because you believe in me, you trust in me that I'm good, that I am loving, that I keep my promises, I reckon unto you, Abraham, righteousness. And therefore, you're my friend. And here's what being the friend of God means. From now on, anybody who's your friend is my friend. Whoever blesses you, I will bless. Whoever hurts you, I will hurt. Whoever curses you, I will curse. How many want to be the friend of God? 
Man, that's very, very powerful. But then God said, so through you, I will bless all the nations of the earth. It was never meant to be only or exclusively Abraham and the physical descendants, but God always, through them, wanted to reach the whole world. But here are the Pharisees saying, no, we're better than the Gentiles. We're separate from all of them, and only 6,000 of them. We're also better than, separate, better than all the other hundreds of thousands of Jews because we really love God, and we're the most holy, and we spend 24 hours a day worshiping, praying, seeking God, and they did all of those wonderful things. The rest are publicans and sinners. But among the Pharisees were a few who sought true spiritual relationship. Not all of them were like that. Nicodemus, I am so thankful for this Jewish Pharisee from 2,000 years ago who came to Jesus. He was one of the Pharisees who was actually, no, I, I do this because I want to be close to God and I want to know God and I want to, I want to be the most committed. So to him, that, that, that was being a Pharisee. He came to Jesus at night and he wanted to get into a conversation because Jesus taught as no man had ever taught before. He did miracles that no prophet uh, in the entire history of Israel had ever done before. He was unique. So he comes to him at night so that nobody could see and say, ah, I saw you went and talked to Jesus because they had conflict with Jesus. So he comes to him at night and he says, uh, Rabbi, teacher, uh, we know that you come from God because no one could do the wonderful miracles and works that you do unless he came from God. That was his awkward way of saying, I want to talk to you. Who are you? Where did you come from? What is it all about? And Jesus goes directly. I love this. He goes behind, you know, the walls of Nicodemus. We're not going to start here with a polite talk and eventually make our way to meaningful things. He went right to the heart of it and he said, Nicodemus, you this Pharisee who wants so much to be with God and holy and all the rest, you want to be the best Jew you can be, you must be born again. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Nicodemus is like, what? Born? I've already been born once. How can I be born again? Jesus said again, that which is of the flesh is flesh. Being born once physically, okay, physical life, but you need to be born again in your spirit. And then he went on to say to Nicodemus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe and trust in him should not perish but have everlasting life. To Nicodemus, the Pharisee, Jesus revealed the most beautiful truth in the entire gospel. We can be born again. Our spirits can be born again. We can come into the family of God and become his son or daughter for all time and eternity. Amen? So thank God for Nicodemus. There was another guy named Joseph of Arimathea. Also like Nicodemus, they were probably buddies and hung out and talked about Jesus and secretly, he's the guy, I think he's the guy. Has, would the Messiah do any more miracles than Jesus has done? And then when Jesus is crucified, Joseph goes, asks for the body and allows his tomb, his family tomb, personal tomb, to be used by Jesus. By the way, Jesus only borrowed it. Just like he borrowed, hey, I need to borrow a donkey. I only need it for one day, Palm Sunday. I need your tomb, but I'm going to borrow it. I need it for only three days, and the third day he rose. <laughs> but then maybe Gamaliel, who also they came. This is after Jesus had been crucified. The Pharisees think, oh, it's done. It's over. And now those little scared, you know, fishermen and uneducated, and now that Jesus is gone, the miracle worker, the great teacher, 
Those little guys, what influence are they going to have? Next thing you know, the same miracles happening when Jesus was here start happening again. Supernatural signs, wonders, healings, deliverances. But it's this time with those little fishermen guys. And so the Pharisees are like, we got to stop this, the whole, all of Israel. Because Peter preached one day and 3,000 got saved, some of whom were Pharisees and Sadducees. They go, we to stop this. So they came to Gamaliel, and Gamaliel said, hey, wait a second, this is not the first time this has happened. Many have come, you know, a few guys have said, I'm the Messiah, and they get a group, and then they follow them, and then they die, and once they die, the group kind of fades away. So this Jesus came, and he died, and now there's a little furor that's going on. He goes, look, if it's just of man, this thing will eventually fade away. But then Gamaliel said, but if it's God, He goes, then there is absolutely nothing that you can do and you would find yourself fighting with God himself. Gamaliel, I think maybe was like Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus maybe a believer because look, he said that 2,000 years ago and look where we are today, 2,000 years later, Christianity is growing faster than the population where there's seven billion people on the planet. It's God, it is God. So Jesus says to them, in verse 2 again, so this, he said about the scribes and the Pharisees sitting in Moses' seat, therefore whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do, but do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. In other words, Jesus says, if they teach you from Moses or they teach you from the Word, do it because it's in the Word. But don't do what they do because they are only speakers, they are not doers of the word. It's also interesting, he says, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in the seat of Moses. The literal translation would be, the scribes and Pharisees have seated themselves in Moses' seat. There's nowhere in the entire Bible, the Old Testament, from Genesis to Malachi that says, I appoint the Pharisees to be the final arbiters of true Judaism. They appointed themselves. And may I say that many religious groups, leaders, Pastors, priests, leaders, or whatever have appointed themselves as some kind of spiritual authority. But no, I want you to know this. Here's what Jesus said. No man, only Jesus is our ultimate authority. Him alone do we call Lord. Him alone do we listen to. Him alone do we follow. Only his word do we absorb and we take. The authority is from God's word, not from a man. Yes, I am, you know, your pastor and I teach you whatever, but I am not the authority in your life. I don't want to rule your life. I don't want to reign in your life. I don't want to be some big anything in your life. You and I are brothers and sisters. We're family. I have my calling. You have your calling. One is not above the other. There's equality within the family of God. You are responsible between you and the Holy Spirit to follow what God has said in His Word. This is the only authority you have to follow the rest of your life. Can I hear an amen on that? Amen. That's the truth of it. Pastor Ray Bentley with good clarity on our part in the working of God's plan. And there's much more to come as he continues our studies in the Gospel of Matthew here on Maranatha Radio. Now, today's study is titled Transformation. And if you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. 
We hope you'll stop by our site today. When you're there, you can leave a few words in tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And under media, you'll notice three words, watch, radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights. Plus, click about and find out more about Pastor Ray and find out how you can come into a deeper relationship with the Lord. And at the bottom of the page, you can sign up to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions via email free of charge. Plus, you'll find other spiritual growth books and resources from Pastor Ray, including his new book called The Final Witness, an eye-opening prophetic fiction novel. So many are enjoying the full five-book series called The Elijah Chronicles. You can, too. And RayBentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also make a donation right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of Matthew. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha bringing the message of Christ soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.